every Monday at 5.30. And what the purpose of the group is just to acknowledge um, people that ha- maybe have family members that have addictions, uh, just to maybe um, get some more understanding of what they're going through. We want you guys to, if you know, have a friend or have anyone in your family that has an addiction of any kind, just come through this group, and uh, hopefully we can talk about it, open up more awareness about the um, addictions. And, and uh, if you want to invite that person with you to maybe get uh, involved in some uh, ways, to process to help that, um, then that'd be great too. I also wanted to mention Marshall. He uh, he's a fellow that is here tonight, and uh, he got in a car accident, or he actually ran into a guy on a bike um, who is in ICU right now, and so I would just want to ask you guys to pray for him um, tonight and just like this this evening, um, and hopefully we can be updated on how he's doing. And also, if you guys want to volunteer your time, I know Autumn would love for you to see you guys in the nursery, and we'd love to have you work with the little kids here. Uh, they're great. They always make me smile. Um, and so if you guys have some free time and you would like to work in the nursery with the kids, uh, we'd love to have you. If you guys are not aware, we have Bible study every week at Shawnee Campus. Um, this week, uh, it'll be Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night at 8 p.m. at Massey Hall. If you guys, it's in room 211. If you guys haven't been, if you only make it to one night, that's great. We only want you there one night. We have a couple teachers each night. Yeah, don't come more than once. We don't, we don't need that. We're teaching the same lesson, so I mean, if you want to hear the same lesson again, that'd be great. So the, the rest of this month, next three weeks, We'll be having it on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday nights. Um, so read through Galatians. If you want to be added to the group on Facebook, I will gladly add you if you ask nicely. If you don't, then I won't add you. Also, uh, we have Ali and AJ over here are overseeing our East End ministry. We are doing um, some good stuff, or trying to at least. Uh, Tuesday nights, we are doing trash pickup, which is we're just going out in the East End and picking up some trash um, with a goal of hopefully to uh, minister to the people there and um, tell them about Jesus and what he's done on the cross for all of us. And Friday nights, you know, we have the um, East End Cookout. More like a boil out if we boil the hot dogs. But, we, you know, we're just giving out some free food to everybody in the East End. Um, hopefully walk around, um, pray with some people if we get the opportunity to. And um, it's just another way to, uh, you know, invite them, um, whether it's to revolution or just invite them to know Jesus. Um, so if you guys can help out, help out with those things, we're on, they're on, uh, we can meet at the corner of 7th and Campbell, or you guys can talk with them after the service, Tuesday nights and Friday nights around 5.30 or 6 um, every week. So there's some ministry opportunities if you guys are looking to get more involved. And I, th- I think that's about it. Um, so you guys, uh, give about 30 seconds or a minute, go around and greet someone that you do not know, and... Uh, Give someone a nice firm shake. I don't know. Do it. It's my favorite part of the day. It's awkwardly staring at everyone out there. So what's up, Revolution? Do it again. What's up, Revolution? Cool. Um, what Kelly forgot to announce, because uh, we forgot to tell him, is to today we are doing communion. So at some point during worship, uh, we'll break and someone will be back there to pass out the elements or whatever every church calls them something different to pass out the communion stuff, the, the juice and the bread. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna do the Lord's Supper today, and I'm pretty pumped for that. And then after the service is over, um, 
after worship's over, we're going to have a bunch of pizza and a bunch of stuff like that. Uh, because whenever the church would meet together on Sundays and, and have the Lord's Supper, they would also have a big meal doing that as well to actually have some community family kind of bond. So please stay with us, eat the food, don't let it go to waste. We always end up sending some home. Um, so yeah, there's that. I, someone laughed at me when my fly was undone or something. Um, all right, so I am, I am really impatient. Right? We're talking about patience this evening and enduring suffering. Um, so it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, I am super, super impatient. Uh, if this is any of you guys, just raise your hands because I want to know. I'm going to weed out the weak from the strong here. Um, does anyone else eat while they're cooking dinner? Like you're just like eating Doritos while stuff's in the microwave because it's just taking too long. Right? American culture, we're never going to be known for being patient people. Right? Whenever like Facebook won't upload fast enough, we're ready to chuck our laptop across the room because we're a bunch of pathetic children. Um, I, uh, I TiVo shows, right? Because uh, my time is too valuable to waste four minutes on commercials. Anyone else? No one? I didn't, until, I didn't even know what TiVo was until like three years ago. I'm technologically uh, super back. Uh, and here's the one that's going to weed the men from the boys. And every guy in here has done this at least once. Uh, don't get nervous. Every guy's done, in, done this at least once. Uh, you, ever got, you ever flush before you're done peeing? Because you're that impatient. Anyone? Guys, show hands. See, I got a name. <laughs> this is ridiculous. All right. <laughs> All right. Like I said, I'm never going to go down. I think this monitor is buzzing. Uh, I'm never going to go down in history. Man, I'm, ooh. I'm, I'm never going to go down in history as the world's most patient man. Um, but at least I don't throw my phone anymore whenever Angry Birds won't load, right? Because I don't play Angry Birds anymore because I'm an adult and I play 2048. Can I get an amen? Um, man, I'm an idiot. Um, but I get impatient whenever things aren't going my way, right? Like I get annoyed, I get irritated, I say things that I don't really mean because I'm mad, right? Like when it hits the fan and I'm really mad, I sound more like a pagan and less like a pastor. Um, whatever that joke didn't hit, apparently some of you guys don't know what I mean. Um, you know, but we're, we're never impatient whenever things are going our way. Let's consider that for a minute. We are never, ever impatient whenever everything is going right. We're impatient whenever things are going wrong and we want our suffering to end quickly, right? Like we're not impatient whenever it's Saturday night and we've got nowhere to be and we're driving down the highway in a Ferrari doing 90 with some banging system. Uh, We're impatient whenever it's 4.45 in the morning, we're in our silver Cavalier stuck behind a semi-truck in traffic in Portsmouth and we're running 10 minutes late for work. And that is a true story if you couldn't tell from all the details that happens to me about once a week. Um, It's awful. But, so impatience, right? that's how we are. We don't like to suffer. We want our suffering to end as quickly as possible, right? Like, who in here likes to suffer? Show of hands. All right, good. No one's been on that weird internet stuff. I'm, I'm proud of you. Um, all right, so the question we're going to be asking tonight is, why do we suffer? Why do we have to suffer? How should we act when we suffer? What should we be focusing on while we're suffering? What should we think? What should we do? All right, so James... Actually, in, in light of this, tonight we're in James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. Um, in light of the persecution that the church was undergoing at this time, James actually writes this text to encourage people to, to bear up under their suffering and stay faithful to Jesus, right? The, the, the Jewish Christians, they were, be, they were being persecuted by Romans. They were being persecuted by um, Jews that hadn't come to faith in Jesus yet. Uh, a lot of them were poor. They were being oppressed by the rich. They're dealing with... Honestly, a lot more than what we have to deal with usually whenever we suffer. And James writes uh, this. 
All right, and like I said, if you guys are, oh, for the record, I forgot, we have a whole bunch of new blue Bibles. Uh, they're New Living Translations. That's our gift to you. If you don't have a Bible or the Bible you have doesn't make much sense to you, take that with you. That's our gift to you. We just want you to get in the Word. Um, but James writes this, James 5, 7 through 12. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. And you can see how the Lord was kind to him in the end. For the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. Then he goes on to say, But most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not be condemned. All right, so just real quick, verse 12. We're going to get this out of the way. Verse 12, James is saying, be honest. All right, this isn't where we're camping out this evening, but I want to give you an explanation. Be honest. Be so honest that oaths aren't required because Jesus is honest. Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. If you say you're going to do something, do it. If you've committed to something, stay committed to it. And if you say no, mean it and, and mean no. Right, because that's the kind of God that Jesus is, right? I'm really thankful that Jesus doesn't say, yeah, I've committed to forgiving you for your sin, but I changed my mind when you die, right? Jesus doesn't do that to us, thank God. So we shouldn't do that either if we're going to mimic Jesus. But that's not where we're camping this evening. We're camping verses 7 through 11. That's where we're going to focus tonight. So just a, a summary again. James tells us life is rough, right? You're going to suffer, but hang in there because Jesus is coming back. And he says, just like a farmer waits for rain, we just have to wait for Jesus to come and endure our suffering in the meantime. He tells us to take courage, to stand firm in your faith. Because Jesus is coming, we should show one another love. We should live our lives doing what pleases Jesus. We should live in light of the fact that Jesus' return is imminent. It will happen. It's not just a story. And then he says, if you're not sure how to endure, look at the prophets. We're going to talk about that in a little while. Look at the prophets. Look at Job and see how they stayed faithful even though they went through all kinds of horrible things. And then finally, he tells us God has purpose for our suffering, that we don't suffer for no reason, and that God will show compassion and mercy to his faithful. So life sucks sometimes. Amen? Yeah, being a Christian doesn't exempt you from hardships. That's foolish. Right? Being a Christian does not mean that we're never going to have to go through anything bad. It doesn't make your, your problems go away. People like Joel Osteen and like televangelists, like prosperity gospel people will completely agree with me. God wants you to be healthy and wealthy and have a hot spouse and drive a nice car. That is bull. And for the full rant, you can see me after service is over. But I'm going to get off that soapbox for right now. Um, God, that's not God's, God's thing. Jesus doesn't promise us that whenever we come to faith in Jesus. Right? I'm going to say some things, maybe this will vibe with you guys. Right? My, my best friend, uh, one of my best friends died whenever I was 16 years old. I still have to deal with that now, even though I, I've came to faith in Jesus since then. Um, my biological father died of a heroin overdose last year in the East End. And I'm a Christian, and I still have to deal with the fact that he didn't know Jesus whenever he died. You know, uh, I've had relationship problems, right? I've been cheated on. I know some of you guys have, have had to endure similar things to that, right? We have to... We have, we have money struggles sometimes. We have classes that are hard that we're failing. We, we feel like we work too much. We feel like we don't see our family 
enough. You know, we're, we're, we're juggling two kids in a job, some of you. Some of you are having fights with your, with your spouse. Whatever. Right? We suffer. We can all relate to that. We can be real. It's one of the things that, I, that I've always enjoyed about this church that's drawn me to revolution is that you don't have to put on your, like, fake K-lovey smile and act like everything is okay because that's not how life is. The Bible doesn't paint a picture of a Christian life as being one with no suffering. You know, Jesus and James actually warn us that life gets hard. Right? And I'm not going to quote all this stuff to you uh, verse for verse, but just some examples. In James chapter 1, verse 2, James says, when trials and temptations come. He doesn't say if, he says when. It's going to happen. In Matthew 5, 11, Jesus says, you're blessed when people hate you and treat you badly because you follow me. In, in Luke 15, Jesus says, count the cost. If you want to follow me, be ready to pick up your cross daily. Right? You've got to be ready to bear your own cross. And that's not a metaphor. Like He literally meant be prepared to come and die. Elsewhere in chapter 15, Jesus says, if you're not willing to give up everything, then you can't be my disciple. And he's not just talking about monetary stuff. He's talking about all of your will, all of your desire. Be prepared to endure a lot of stuff. And then more importantly, in, in John chapter 15, Jesus says, no slave is greater than their master. If they hate me, they're going to hate you. If they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. If I suffer, you're going to suffer because I am God in the flesh and you are nowhere near as good as me. You're not greater than Jesus. So we can be prepared to suffer, right? We're not going to be spared from suffering. Now, we're not exempt from this, right? I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to beat everyone down, right? We're not exempt from hardships and pain and hurting, but we should view it like this. And I had never thought about this before, and this was riveting to me. We should view all of our suffering through the lens of the gospel. Consider this. If you're a Christian, then you believe that you were born a sinner, that you've rebelled during your life, and that because of that rebellion, you deserve hell, period. For the things that you've done, you deserve to to burn eternally in hell because you have offended a pure, perfect God. But that Jesus came to earth, and Jesus took your punishment and your penalty for sin in your place. So no matter what we endure, we know that it's really not what we actually deserve because what we deserve is hell. So no matter how bad our life may get, we know that we're actually not getting what we deserve. And everything, just throwing this out there too, everything that we get above and beyond salvation, like a car or a a spouse that loves us or a family or anything good that we have, is just grace upon grace from an unfathomably loving God. So always keep that in mind. View everything that you have to deal with through the lens of the gospel. That's something that keeps me in check whenever I think my life just totally sucks. I have to remind myself, well, at least I'm not getting what I truly deserve. So I hope that helps some of you guys maybe. But the question is, so what do we do during hard times? What do we do whenever life just sucks and gets you on your knees and has you back in a corner? James actually gives us three things that we should do. He's full of practical advice. He is a great pastor. Never forget that James is a pastor and so is Paul and all these guys. They know how people are. They know what we need to hear. Now, he's wise. He gives us advice and he tells us, don't grumble against each other. All right, so grumbling means to complain or to, to vocalize your discontent uh, or your frustration about your situation. All right, we're going to talk about a couple of ways that we tend to complain whenever we're really up against the wall. All right, James knows that we tend to say things that we don't really mean. Whenever life gets rough, you know, we fly off the handle. Like, for example, um, I got a story for you. It's story time. You ready? Yeah, it's going to be good. Um, for, for the record, I am a sinner. Um, shocker, right? 
Uh, I'm a sinner. I just want to get, just because someone comes up here and gets a mic in their hand does not mean that they don't sin anymore. I wish it was that easy. Um, but I do, I do dumb stuff all the time. And this, uh, me and my beautiful fiance, Autumn, show them the rock, babe. Um, <laughs> uh, she, she is a good, godly woman. All right. And, and here this week, I had a rough week. I had to work seven days straight, literally every single day. I had sermon prep. I had meetings with people. I had to be on campus. I had something going on all day, every day. And I'm tired. I worked this morning. I got up at 4 a.m., super tired. About halfway through the week, I kind of started to, like, have a meltdown. And Autumn comes into my house, and she goes, hey, what's wrong? And I was like, ah, I explained what I just told you guys. And she goes, yeah, it'll be okay. And I just cut her off right then and there. And just lost my mind. You don't understand. You don't, get, you don't get up at 4 a.m. every day. You don't have the pressure of preaching. You don't, I was just being a wuss. right? I flew off the handle and completely sinned. I spoke against her. I complained against her. I complained about my life and what God had dealt me this week. And the awful thing is I cut her off and she was about to encourage me in the Lord. Hey, she was going to say, it'll be okay because you should find your rest in Jesus. And I just cut her off because I'm an idiot. Right, I'm, I'm, I'm straight up. I'm an idiot. All right, so I sin, right? That, that's what James is talking about. That's the kind of stuff that we tend to do whenever we get mad, do we not? That's exactly what we tend to do. So that's one of the reasons why James tells us not to complain against one another. Because Jesus says, you know, you'll be known as my followers because of your love for one another. To love God and love your neighbor. And whenever we're talking badly to people or about people, we're not doing that. All right, so that's one. The second reason that James tells us not to complain and go with me on this. This is, this is a gut check, and this hurts me to say. Um, when we complain, we're complaining against God. Right, follow me here. Follow me here. Bear with me. Whenever we complain about our situation or our lot in life, whatever you want to say, the, the bad week, the bad month, the bad year, whatever, what we're saying to God is, I should not have to go through this. And he's the one who gets to make that decision. Whenever we say, whenever we complain, we say, I should run things in my life. I should get to decide what happens to me, good or bad, not God. I should take God's place because I think I can run my life better than him. And just for the record, that's what Satan did. And that's what we do when we complain. We commit the original sin, if you will. So James tells us not to complain. The second thing James tells us to do, and it's super practical too, and no one's going to like this because I don't like this, he tells us just to lean into your suffering. He says endure it, right? Just bear up under it and stay faithful to Jesus. This is hard. You know, he's telling us whatever things that happen beyond your control, just accept it. Suffering's a part of life. You can't avoid it. But he says stay faithful to Jesus, Keep telling people the good news of Jesus. Keep telling people how good God is. Keep telling people that Jesus died in their place for their sin. Stay faithful. Keep being charitable. Keep doing the will of God on earth, even in the midst of your suffering, even when you're mad at God or irritated with your situation. Stay faithful to Jesus. Don't look for comfort in other things. Right? Don't look for comfort in food. Right? We're in America. People do that a lot. Don't look for comfort in, like, like I don't know, like simple carbohydrates, we'll say that. Right? Don't make a Taco Bell run every time you get depressed. Um, don't, don't look for comfort in alcohol. Don't look for comfort in you know, pornography or sexual relationships. Don't look to comfort in, in addictions or whatever. Look, look to Jesus for your comfort because that is where you're going to find it. There's no comfort except for that. Everything else, you have a, like a 
a God-sized hole that you're having to deal with, and you're just trying to shove other things in there, and they're not going to fix anything. And James knows that. He's had to endure all kinds of suffering, right? The dude ended up getting killed for his faith. And he says that if you don't know how to suffer, if you don't know what it looks like to bear up under suffering, to look at the prophets. All right, so just three real quick, the three big ones, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and Isaiah. Let's look at their lives. Let's look at what they had to deal with. Ezekiel's wife died. Like God told him, like, hey, your wife's going to die tomorrow. And it happened, because God knows what he's talking about. All right, so that happened to Ezekiel. His wife dies in the middle of his ministry. We have Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah was forbidden to marry, so he had to live his life alone. And then he was in prison multiple times. We go to Isaiah, and Isaiah was so hated that they ended up sawing him in half for what he preached. That's the kind of stuff that the prophets had to bear up under. And all three of them were hated more than you would imagine. Ran out of towns, despised by their people, and they were just trying to do the, word, do the will of God, spreading, what he, like spreading the message that he gave them. But they stayed faithful. They continued to do exactly what God had told them to do. They never stopped. They may have wrestled with God. Maybe I don't understand God's goodness in this. But they stayed faithful unto death. You know, and, and, and then he says specifically, look at Job. Right? Most of us know the story of Job, right? Job, uh, God himself admitted Job was a righteous man. Right? He, he was rich. He had a large family, big house, right? doing everything right, making sacrifice. He was so godly. He was making sacrifices for his kids for sins that they maybe didn't sacrifice to or sacrifice for. He, he was a godly guy. So in what happens to Job, uh, in one foul swoop, his house falls down, his kids die, he loses all of his money, he's struck sick, and he doesn't just lay back and, and, and take it either. He struggles with God. He struggles with the goodness of God. God, how can you do this and be good? What did I do to deserve this? I don't understand why you're making me have to suffer this. But he stayed faithful. Don't get me wrong, he sinned. There's a difference in questioning, you know, God, why would you do this? And then, like, completely getting blasphemous with your questions, which is what Job ended up doing. But he never lost faith. He stayed faithful to God the whole time. And by the end of the whole book, he says, you know, he he repents. He's he's like, I sit in ashes and I'm sorry. Right? And these, these examples aren't just meant to be admired, right? They're, they're huge, right? These are some like pillars of like the Old Testament. They're not meant to just be admired. They're meant to be followed, right? These are examples that we're supposed to, to imitate. And I think that's one of the reasons that God allowed for their suffering, so that we could look back and say, wow, like, I've not went through anything that bad. I've, no one's ever sawed me in half. I don't know about you guys. Um, <laughs> but we can stay faithful, Right? If they did it, we can. Because right? they were just men. And then the last thing that James says to us that we should do, and this is huge. He says, take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. That's huge. I want you guys to get so pumped on this. This is where our hope is. This is why we can keep going. This is what we remind ourselves every day whenever something happens that is just awful and rocks our world and puts us on our back. Take courage. Jesus is coming. He's coming to establish peace. He is coming to fix everything. He's coming to end suffering. He's coming to end sorrow. He's coming to end death. He's coming to stomp out all wickedness. He's coming out to stomp out all 
oppression. And for those of you who don't have faith in Jesus, that should literally be the most terrifying thing you've ever heard in your life. God is good and he will stomp out wickedness. But for those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus, that is the single most beautiful thought that we have. That Jesus is coming back for us to fix everything. You know, all of our trials, I just, I can't, I remind myself of this all the time. All of our trials, anyone struggle with sin, like some sin, like that just always seems to pop back up in your life? Like anyone else other than me? No, just a few of us. It's going to be over. Your struggle will be over. I don't know if we have any recovering addicts in the room or anything like that. It will be over. It's done. There's no more struggling against sin. There's no more temptation to sin. There's no more anything. Jesus is going to get rid of it. There's no more death. This is what we hope in. But God gives us even more hope because he is unfathomably good. He doesn't just say, hey, you're suffering for no reason. Deal with it. Um, another translation of this, of the verse 11, uh, from the English Standard Version, it says, you have seen the purpose of the Lord. You've seen the purpose of the Lord in these people's suffering through Job and the prophets. The purpose of the Lord in suffering. James is telling us that our suffering has meaning. For those of us who place our faith in Jesus, our suffering is not just suffering. It's not pointless. It doesn't happen for no reason. God has reasons, and they're good reasons for allowing us to suffer. And I'm sure you're wondering what they are by now. Because I struggle with this a lot. James tells us earlier in the book that whenever we endure trial, we endure temptation, whenever we're not getting along with people, whenever our families are broken, whenever we don't have enough money, whenever we're really up against it, that God is refining us. He's making us more like Jesus. Our suffering is not pointless, and it hurts. Right? Like imagine that you're a tree and God's pruning you. He's cutting away what doesn't need to be there. The imagery James uses in, in chapter 1 is that God's refining you like he refines gold. You have to burn the impurities out of gold. It's going to hurt, but it's not for no reason. We're going to be made more like Jesus, all right? We're going we're to come to the realization, just like Jesus already knew, that God's will is good. And that it's what's best for us, that we're going to trust God to provide, that we're going to trust God to mend broken relationships, that we're going to trust God to be our rock, to give us rest, and to give us hope. All the things that Jesus embodied, that that's the point to our suffering. If Christ had to suffer, how much more are we going to have to suffer in order to be like Jesus? He was perfect. It's going to happen, but it's for good reason. You know, has, has anyone, this, I do this a lot, look back on things that I went through that I wish I wouldn't have had to, and I can see that there was good reason for me having to endure what I did. I grew. I trust Jesus more. I learned something, and I love music. I love music, and then there's a band called Waverly. Um, there might not even be a band anymore, and they had a song that just stuck with me so hard every time that I have to endure something at all. And I wanted to share that with you guys. It says, as I'm building up this house, I wonder what if it will stay. It seems you just take things away. 
That's what he says at the beginning of the song. The whole song is about being upset with God. And then finally at the end, he says, as you're tearing down this house, there is only one thing I can say. I'm so glad you take away, and I'll admit that things worked out for the good, and it's about time I understood. I think that sums up how we should view our suffering, how we usually view our suffering in hindsight, at least if we're Christians. I learned something. I grew. I'm more like Jesus now than I was uh, before I lost my job because I trust God more. I'm more like Jesus now than before my dad died because now I know what it's like to have someone that means something to you go. We become more like Jesus. We become more sympathetic. We, we learn to trust God no more, or, or trust God more, rather. It's <laughs> bad. Um, you know, and God doesn't allow us to suffer for no reason. I can't hammer that enough. The suffering of God's people is always for our benefit in the end. And if you don't believe me, that God places purpose to our pain, go with me on this. We can know that there is purpose to everything we suffer because God, through the suffering of his son, Jesus, on our behalf, accomplished the greatest purpose ever. And that was his glory through our salvation. That's how we can know that our suffering is not in vain because God always uses suffering for good. He did it with his son. He will do it with us. He is a good God and he is unchanging. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, here it is. Jesus suffered so that we could be saved. Everyone in this room is more wicked than you have any idea, that, that you have no clue how bad you really are in your heart. And if you think I'm wrong, I would like to take your thoughts from just the last week and play them up here on the projector and see if you ever show your face in here again. Everyone in here is wicked. We've all rebelled against God. We've all done something. Some, at some point that we really were giving the finger to God telling him, you don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. And because of that glad rebellion against the sovereign, loving, holy, eternal, pure God of the universe, we deserve eternal punishment. We deserve to burn in a very literal hell forever because that's what justice demands. We've committed the most awful crime. We deserve the most awful punishment for what we've done. That's justice. But in justice and mercy, and because he loved us dearly, Jesus Christ came to earth to suffer for us. His whole life was suffering. He was poor. He was hated. He was ridiculed by his family. And ultimately, he was murdered. After, and in the whole time, he was faithful to God. He was totally obedient to God the entire time. He never rebelled. He always stayed faithful, like James tells us to stay faithful. And then when it came time to die, Jesus took, because he loved us, he took our sin on himself, and he went to the cross. And on the cross, he says, justice demands that sin be paid for, but I'm here to pay for all of it. And on the cross, God pours his wrath out for the sins of anyone who would place their faith in Jesus, on Jesus. And Jesus not just physically dies on the cross, but he suffers hell. He suffers the full wrath of God for what you and I have done. But then three days, God raised Jesus from the dead to prove that he didn't suffer for no reason. To prove that he had accepted Jesus' sacrifice and that he had accepted Jesus' punishment in our place. And now all we have to do is place our faith in Jesus. 
All we have to do is put our, our trust and our faith and our hope in Jesus. And we owe God nothing for what we've done. Past, present, future, it's all been paid for. Christ died once for all sin. That's the good news. That's how we can know that our suffering is not for no reason. So if you want to know more about what it means, that what I just said, if you need that explained to you more, if you want someone to pray with you, you I, I will be here after the service is over, right up here by the stage for as long as, as you need me to be. And Allie and AJ will be over here by the couch. Come, We want to pray with you. Don't delay. I'm not one for scare tactics, but Jesus' coming is imminent. He is coming. He might not come in our lifetimes. But know this, at some point, whether in death or in Christ's return, you will come face to face with the God that you've sinned against. And if you have no faith in Jesus, you will stand alone before a God that has nothing but wrath for you for what you've done. But if you've placed your faith in Jesus, you have an advocate to stand in between you and God and say, I paid for what they did. Don't put it off. If you think that there is anything to what I've said at all, at the least, come talk with me. Don't put it off. But Christians, those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus, who do trust in Jesus, who are looking forward to this coming and have no fear of it because we know everything has been paid for by Jesus, I'm talking to you. Jesus proved his faithfulness by suffering. How much more will we have to suffer? How much more will we have to suffer to prove our faithfulness? But know this, we will never suffer God's wrath, ever. No matter what we suffer, it's not really what we deserve. It's never as bad as it should be because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Take hope in that. Take courage in that. Establish your hearts on that. Jesus is coming. I can't say that enough. That is, that is hope. Live in light of that. Love one another the way Jesus tells us to. The judge is at the door. You know, like you'd clean up your house if you knew that your grandma was coming over. Love each other like that. Jesus is coming. He's at the door. We should treat one another like that. We should do his will like that. We should be faithful like we're going to see him in a minute. That's how we should live our lives. That's what I encourage you all to do. Do what pleases him. Bring him glory. That's the whole, that's the chief end of man is to bring God glory. Do what pleases your king because it's not just a story. We will see Jesus. Whether in death or at his second coming, we will see Jesus. We should live in light of that. We should live like it. But remember this. Whenever life has you on your knees and you're begging for death, keep going. Jesus will fix everything someday. Whether in death or at his second coming, it will all be over someday. Keep pushing. Jesus has brought you too far for you to quit now. Keep going. Jesus asks us for 60 or 70 years of faithfulness to him, and then an eternity spent with the one true God that loves us. He asks us really of nothing. Keep going. Don't give up now. Because whenever we die, none of this will matter. Anything that we've endured while we're here won't matter. What's going to matter is that we were faithful to Jesus. 
And when we see Jesus face to face, we'll know that it was all worth it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what Jesus did for us. And the, and the fact that that we, we don't have to fear you. Uh, we don't have to fear your wrath anymore. That no matter what we suffer, it's never going to be as bad as it should be. Help us to live in light of that truth. Give us hope because that's the only hope that we have. God, help us to stay faithful and, and endure like your prophets did. Endure like, more importantly, like Jesus did. To stay faithful even unto death, no matter what happens. Help us to stay faithful and keep telling people about your goodness, even when we can't see your goodness in the situation. Help us to trust that you are still good and you are still God and you are still just and you are still loving, no matter how bad life gets. And I thank you for the fact that you're going to fix everything someday. And I thank you for Jesus going to the cross on our behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, for those of you guys who are new, we're going to take about 20 minutes here and sing to our, our king um, who is coming back. Uh, so.